0: Everyone, Uh, Welcome to episode 2 of Stalked. I just wanted to start off the episode by saying how incredibly grateful I am to everyone that listened to episode 1 and that shared it and uh, gave me feedback. I really was overwhelmed by the amount of support it received and hopefully you'll all enjoy uh, this episode and the case that I'm going to do today. So today's case is quite an interesting one. Um as I did with the the case last week I'm going to try and do a little bit of an analysis um kind of before and during I'm talking about uh the case into kind of what kind of stalking I think um they are exhibiting and I think that this case might be one of the only ones I've ever read about where there are two types of stalking conducted simultaneously but on different victims um so I know I have mentioned when I went through the five types of stalkers. Um, you might have a resentful stalker, but there might also be a revenge stalker, or you might have um, an intimacy st- seeking stalker, but they might exhibit like erotomania. So there can be different kinds of stalking conducted at the same time on the same victim, but this case has two different types of stalking and two different victims at the exact same time. So, as I mentioned last week, it's not unusual for someone with a history of stalking behaviours, controlling behaviours, domestic violent behaviours, to have numerous victims throughout their lifespan. A pattern can occur in which the stalker uh, repeats the same behaviours and it, it applies to different victims, kind of one after another. Um, I think last week I spoke as well briefly about um, psychodynamic phases of stalking. And that's quite a good way to describe it, to look at it. That the stalker goes through the phases, passes through them and then moves on. So last week um, when I discussed the Richard Farley case... I went through the um, pattern of major life stresses or triggers, uh, tipping somebody either further into stalking behaviours or actually tipping someone into stalking for the very first time. Um, and this is often the case when looking at rejected stalkers or intimacy-seeking stalkers. And I know that at the time I didn't have a very good example um, I like to mention things if there's a good example in a film or in a TV show, and I didn't really have one, but I have actually in the last week come across one that I think would be uh, really good to mention. So the example that I found is in a TV show, and, um, appropriately, I think it's the last kind of TV show you'd expect to find this in, with the last character you'd expect to find it in, which I think is good as it helps to highlight that essentially this can happen to anyone from any walk of life at any time, and as I said, it's all about timing. So there's a British comedy series called Fresh Meat, which is set in a student house, and it spans over four years of university. Um just a fair warning here i am about to talk about spoilers so if you're in the middle of watching this or you want to watch it and you don't know what's going to happen because i know it is on netflix um this is the time to tune out now and probably fast forward about two minutes so in this uh, tv show there's a character who is played by jack whitehall called jp and at the end of the t- at the end of series one he loses his dad quite suddenly to a heart attack and during the subsequent episodes it's revealed um through like letters and you know phone calls and things that his dad was actually in love with another woman um all the time while he was married to uh, JP's mom and that like the feelings that him and his siblings um Felt while they were grown up that he was quite cold um, and unloving. That was actually down to the fact that he didn't want to be in this family and he had felt trapped by having children. So this is obviously quite a big blow to JP. And following, like, following that episode, following this news, he goes through several things that I think are attempts at finding a family or, try, or, or tr- trying to find somewhere to belong. So for instance, in one episode he buys the student house where he lives in an attempt to make his housemates um, stay with him. And after all of these out of character behaviours in uh, the beginning of series 3, I think this happens, he meets a girl and he likes her and they kind of briefly date. But then he starts to do some quite manipulative things to try and keep her, to try and impress her and uh when she uncovers these things she obviously tells him t- to leave her alone uh, i don't want to see you again type of thing throughout the whole next well throughout the whole rest of the season and i'm not 100% sure if the writers really knew the extent uh of the things that he was doing um, when you when you take it out of con- when you take it like out of the rest of the story, because obviously there's lots of different elements going on, lots of different storylines. When you focus in just on that one storyline he has become a rejected stalker. I mean, there's no two ways about it. He invades her privacy. He lies. He tricks people into getting her to go places. He tracks down places he knows she's going to be alone. At one point, he hacks a computer. He he steals somebody else's phone to read messages from her. He threatens anyone else that wants to date her. Um... And if you just focus in on that one storyline, it is a really, really good example of how those kinds of behaviours can suddenly sneak up on on anyone, really, when they're going through something like a major life stressor. Um, and it just really highlights how that can happen to anyone. And it really is all about timing. Um, because I think if at any other point, when you're watching the series, his character, if he had met this girl and and, and he'd liked it, it just wouldn't have, have went the way that it went when he was obviously going through this thing with uh, losing his dad. So it's a really good example of it. And at the end, thankfully, he does realise what's been going on and he realises um, that that was very out of character for him and he really, he really really sums it up well. So there's a quote where he says, um, basically, I've realised that we were not in love Uh, what we had was not love because I loved you but you never loved me and I'm genuinely sorry because I think I got a little obsessed and maybe started projecting some feelings about you that weren't actually about you. So yeah I think this is um, a brilliant example and whether the writers meant to or not they definitely capture the essence of how this kind of stalking and these kind of stalking behaviours can suddenly happen and they can happen to anyone And how he sums it up is brilliant because I think in cases where someone develops stalking behaviours after the loss of someone close or even after just witnessing a trauma involving someone close, projecting feelings onto someone else that was present or that you meet soon afterwards really isn't uncommon. Um, I know last week I mentioned the film Unsane and this highlights this really well because a man starts uh, stalking a woman who was his father's caregiver while he was dying um. So he starts talking to her after his father's passed away, but you can see how the fact that his feelings are projected aren't aware because during that very traumatic event, she was a source of comfort to not only him but his father. Um, you, you can kind of see how that unfolds as, as hard as it might be for us to put ourselves in his shoes, you, you can see how it has happened. And this is also present in another film called The Resident, um, which came out in 2011, and it stars Hilary Swank as a doctor. Um, so she works in a and um or I'm not sure what you would call it in America, what do you call it? Like the emergency room. <laughs> um, and she is treating an elderly man who's been rushed in, and his nephew is there, and he's brought him in, and is played by um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan from Supernatural he becomes fixated on Hilary Swank because she's helping, you know, his uncle in this very traumatic time. Um, and this is an example of what's called Florence Nightingale effect in reverse, which is fairly common, especially for people like doctors, nurses, and um, particularly uh, psychologists or therapists, who I think one of the highest, um, like most likely professions to be stalked and it's it's not too hard to understand why when you really consider it um if you were one of the first people who really listens or really understands someone or helps them through something you can see that that person might confuse the care that you were giving them as it as kind of romantic feelings um and the non-reverse Florence Nightingale effect is also common so that's like it the other way around so doctors therapists Nurses might develop feelings which might turn into stalking behaviours towards a patient and this sometimes can cross over into what's known as Munchausen's by proxy which is when someone caring for someone who is ill might purposely exaggerate or worsen a medical condition so that they can continue caring for them. This is normally most common in parents who have um, maybe their child has been ill briefly and they continue trying to make their child appear ill because they like the attention um, that they received by the doctors and things. But it is also possible for doctors, nurses, therapists, psychologists who've developed feelings for a patient to also do this in order for them to continue spending time with the patient so that the patient keeps depending on them. Um, there is a great film which portrays this perfectly, um, so I'll add it to the list of things from this episode on my Instagram. Um, if you're interested in watching it, it's called The Good Doctor, and it stars Orlando Bloom as a relatively new doctor working in a hospital, and he develops feelings for a young female patient in his care. And I won't do any spoilers in case you want to watch it, but. By he begins doing some very questionable things to keep him to keep her sorry in hospital. And I think if you want a bit of a laugh, there is actually a film on Netflix that I've watched called I think it's a lifetime movie and it's called Stalked by My Doctor. And, um, yeah, that's a lot less plausible than The Good Doctor, but it was definitely entertaining. So, on to today's case. I hope you enjoy it and as always if you have any questions afterwards um or any corrections of things that if you know this case and I've got anything wrong um please feel free to get in touch with me through my Instagram page which is at stalked podcast um I'm also going to pop me uni email address on there just if you prefer email and then instant messaging that's fine and um I'm going to put all of the, the films and the TV shows and things that I've mentioned up also on there. And I also just wanted to mention again that if anything in this episode has affected you, if, if you have any concerns about being stalked yourself, I have got the um, email and uh, telephone number for Paladin, which is the UK stalking helpline up on my Instagram page and I do think I think that they have I'll double check but I'm fairly certain that they have an email address that doesn't have anything to do with paladin or stalking in it just in case you're worried about um if you're in a relationship with somebody that you think is being very controlling and you're worried about being monitored you can still contact them with this anonymous email address but I'll link that up on my page as well so, today's case is the case of um, the Countdown Stalker, um, which is quite a well-known case if you have researched stalking, but if not, I was shocked by how little th- there is about this on the internet and things, considering that it, it only happened a few years ago. So, basically, in 2006, 20-year-old Richard Britton, one the UK um very popular TV quiz called uh, countdown um it's kind of like a spelling I'm trying to think of how to describe it if, you, if you're not from, if you're not from the UK it's like a spelling maths um, sort of competitive, quiz show and it's it's a kind of like a cult following now um and you win a trophy that's in the shape of a teapot. basically if you're in the uk you'll have heard of countdown um so he won that he went on to make several youtube videos documenting his success he, he really was proud of it um he did get into a bit of legal trouble because i think in one of the youtube videos he implied that he'd had some kind of dressing room relations with one of the hosts, Carol Vorderman, uh, which her legal team were very, very quick to deny and shut down. Um, Yeah, so, you know, he he did quite a few um, interviews. He did YouTube videos about it. Um, And, you know, seemingly after getting quite a lot of praise on his intelligence, um, he tried a few other quiz shows... Including losing at like there was a countdown, um, winners sort of challenge championship, and he he attempted to go on that, and I think he came last, and I think it was quite embarrassing. I think he had some words that were fake and things, and he was ridiculed quite a bit. So that knocked his confidence. So he decided to give, uh, quiz shows, you know, um, put that to bed for a while, and he decided to apply to university. And he applied to Cambridge. So he was accepted to Cambridge, he started studying there, but I think the loss of his countdown fame and the kind of the sudden um realization that nobody really paid that much attention to things like that at Cambridge he wasn't very well known which he had been used to it affected his confidence and he dropped out he decided to travel for the next few years he went kind of backpacking across Europe um, and the UK and he stayed in hostels and he just pitched attend places Um, and then in 2011 he felt strong enough to try and return to university and he applied to go to the University of Greenwich and he was successful and he started to study history there. So this was a much better fit for Richard. Um, he discovered that this uh, university had a lot of pub quiz teams and they were really focused on stuff like that and he was able to regain some of his kind of countdown fame glory days. So after a year of studying and playing in quiz tournaments, Richard was sat in the university student union, which is like, um, I'm just trying to think how to describe it to uh, US listeners. It's a bit like, uh, it's not like a fraternity or something like that. It's kind of like where all the students drink and it's very cheap and it's it's kind of like the local, but every student in the uni would go there and you get a discount and it's run by students and things. So we basically went in there one day sat down at the bar and he noticed one of the bar staff Ella so Ella turned around and smiled at him and it was in this simple gesture that Richard would start on a path into severe stalking behaviors um and he did actually write a blog about his stalking and in this in this first instance um where he first meets Ella Richard describes it in detail and he says It was her smile that enchanted me, which may sound cliched, but it is the truth. Her smile stimulated the deepest feelings of wonderment inside my being. So this gives quite a good insight into the huge amount of enormity that Richard piled onto this first meeting in which somebody working behind a bar turned around and smiled at a customer. So after this first encounter, Richard began to return to the union bar at any chance that he could, when he wasn't in lectures, when he wasn't studying, any time he kind of guessed that Ella would be working. Um, Ella has admitted, she, she has remained quite anonymous throughout this, which who can blame her, but she has admitted in some interviews that she did notice him and she did notice that he was there quite a lot and that he was staring quite a lot, but she just assumed that he was harmless in the early days. So after some time of sitting and just watching from afar, uh, Richard realised that she was part of um, a team for one of these pub quiz tournaments and he actually managed to join her team. And uh, at the first quiz that they did together, their team won and that gave him the confidence to request Ella as a friend on Facebook, which to be polite, she accepted. So from... uh, Following her on Facebook, he realised that she was quite like a prolific tweeter. Um, So he managed to find a Twitter account and he looked through every single tweet. So he went through, you know, all past tweets and he found that she liked. Any quote she'd put from love songs, anything that she quoted from a film, anything that she retweeted. Richard began to think that this was Ella's way of communicating with him. So, I discussed this last week. This is classic behaviour um, often exhibited by intimacy seeking stalkers, especially uh, erotomaniacs. If you remember, I was talking about the film Enduring Love um, and the fact that uh, the, the Reese Ethan's character believes that Daniel Craig is sending him secret messages with his curtains. It's very, very common in this type of stalker to develop theories like this as a way of upholding their delusions about the relationship that they have kind of concocted with this victim. Um, If they are not receiving any normal social cues that that person feels the same way back, they will invent them. So, based on this theory that Ella is communicating to him via tweets, um, as normal with the kind of intimacy-seeking stalker, Richard escalates things so he comes up with a plan that um he's gonna apply for a BBC TV show called University Challenge which it, it, it's kind of like what it says on the tin. lots of different universities compete to win like general knowledge it's quite um highly regarded I think and yeah very prestigious so he planned to um like create a team and ask Ella to be part of that team. So he goes into the uh, student union when he knows she's gonna be working and he goes up to her and he asks her if she would be part of the team. And she did actually agree. And she said that uh, he gave her the forms that she had to fill in and asked her if she would fill them in. She said she would, but she was quite busy at the moment. He told her that she needed a photo to go along with the form. And because she was busy, Ella actually said to Richard, you can just pick one for me if you want, um, and give him permission to go on her Facebook page and just choose, you know, a profile picture to use. Richard took this as encouragement and as an excuse to start um, private messaging Ella on Facebook in order to send her the photos he'd selected and ask her opinion on things. Um, This is when when Ella started to notice some quite disturbing behaviour, so Richard's messages become quite intense and made her quite uncomfortable. Um, He commented, I think, something to do with, so she must have worn glasses when she was at work sometimes, and he had mentioned, you've never posted a single photo of yourself in your glasses, which made her realise that he had been through every single uh, photo on her Facebook account. So at the time, I don't think she said anything about this, but it definitely made her aware to the fact that his behaviour was starting to be a little bit um, intense. So the fact that Ella had given Richard permission to choose a photo from her Facebook for this application, um, it it gave gave him motivation, gave him something, you know, like kind of, an excuse to escalate things. So Richard began to comment and like every single post, every photo throughout the entire of Ella's Facebook page, whether it was old, whether it was new, he did this daily until it got to the point where Ella realised something quite odd was going on and she decided to block him. So When Richard logs on that day and realises that he is blocked from Ella's Facebook account, he went straight to the student union and uh, she was actually at work that day. He walks straight up to her and confronts her by asking her, why did you block me? So from what she said from interviews and things, she tried to be polite. She told him that she thought he was a good person. But the way that he was behaving on Facebook was freaking her out a little bit. And that he was being too forward. Um, He asked her about the um, university challenge. And she said that she would still be on the team. um, But only as a friend. This small act. The fact that she said she would still be on the team. um, Gave Richard encouragement. And he decided to confess everything to Ella. So he then and there said, I'm in love with you. I have been since I first met you. Um, that's why I was, you know, liking everything on Facebook. Kind of professes all of this to Ella. This doesn't sit well with her. Um, she She told him, you know, like I said, I only like you as a friend. And just because of this sudden outburst, she decides that actually she decides to tell him she's not going to be part of the University Challenge uh, team anymore. So this was obviously a blow to Richard, but, you know, he he continued, he was still determined. He decided that what he would do was find a replacement, um, continue with the application, um, thinking that maybe winning uh, this TV show, winning University Challenge, would impress her. However... His team failed the audition process, so they didn't actually get onto the show at all. They, they didn't get through the first stage of the auditions. And this sent him into quite a big downward spiral. Okay, so Richard began drinking heavily. He began fighting with friends, you know, going out to nightclubs and starting fights. Starting fights in the street when he was drunk. Um, he was gambling every single day. And when he wasn't doing all those things, he was obsessively watching her Twitter account. And he'd also found her Instagram, so he was watching that. During looking back through her old tweets, um, because he would just scroll, you know, through years and years of tweets. Richard found something that stopped all of this behaviour. So years and years and years ago, before she'd even met Richard, Ella had tweeted, When I say I'm done... I really mean fight for me. So, as I mentioned earlier, Richard had this, you know, delusion that Ella was communicating him, communicating with him, sorry, via tweets. And he believed that this was a message meant for him. I mean, despite, like I said, this was written years before they met, he believed that, you know, when she says she don't, what she really means is fight for me. So... Richard started to spend every minute of her shifts he'd worked out when she was working. He would go into the student union and he would just sit and watch her, um, believing that this is what she wanted, that she wanted proof of how strongly he felt about her, how strongly he felt towards her. This obviously caused Ella incredible distress, um, so her and the rest of the staff she worked with, they started trying to swap shifts, um, you know swap things last minute so that he wouldn't know when she was working sort of in an attempt to trick him and to not know when she was going to be there but it rarely worked after months and months and months of this um in december just before uh term was going to stop for uni richard stopped ella at work he he, normally would just sit and kind of watch her but this day he went up to her and when she tried to like leave when she tried to run away he said I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. So later that night, he went home and he realised that Ella had uploaded a new tweet. And the tweet that she said is, I just wanted to say that I love you. Again, building in Richard's delusions that Ella was sending him secret messages, secret communications through her tweets, he believed that the fact that he had started what he had said to her that day with, I just wanted to say... Merry Christmas and that this tweet she had I think it might have even been a retweet was I just wanted to say so he believes that Ella is sending him a secret message that she is actually replying to the early message that he said to her in the bar. So spurred on by this Richard finds Ella's old application that she had written out for the the form for a university challenge and really similar to Richard Farley in last week's episode he manages to find her home address and he uses that to um, send her a valentine's card after Christmas. So this is kind of the final straw for Ella the fact that he'd found um, her parents address where she was over the holidays and posted a valentine's card to her. She takes all of this information to the university and they issue Richard with a formal statement and kind of a formal contract. I think they agreed with him um, where he was kind of had to stay out of a way, not talk to her. But they didn't stop him from visiting the union. So he wasn't barred. It was kind of implied that he shouldn't go as much as he had been. Um, but he wasn't barred from going. So obviously, as with most stalkers, this didn't deter him. Um, in fact, Richard escalated at this point, so he went back to the application form that he had, and he found her mobile number, and he started calling her daily, he would leave voicemail messages, he would leave clips of songs, he would leave all sorts, um, if Ella posted anything on her Twitter, on the same day as Richard left her a voicemail or left her a clip of a song, he would look for a hidden message in that tweet, and, um, determined that for whatever reason that was a reply and that the only way she could communicate with him was through twitter so things would continue like this um richard would call her richard would leave a voicemail richard would leave a song he would then look for a clue in one of ella's tweets and it would give him the encouragement that she was communicating with him and he would carry on the cycle again things continued like this um Until it was bad enough that Ella decided to go to the police. I think she tried to contact the police several times about this. And nothing happened. So finally it was actually coming to the end of Ella's time at uni. Um, She was ready to graduate and she was ready to move back home. She had a plan to live with her parents and to start a job she'd um, been offered. So at her graduation ceremony... Richard tried to sit near her because he felt like this was one of the last times he got a chance to kind of prove himself to her, to, to be close to her. Um, she insisted on swapping seats with her friends so that she wasn't sitting near him. And after the ceremony, she left straight away and she left Richard and Greenwich without her. So, one of the things stalkers, especially intimacy-seeking stalkers, struggle with is the lack of contact or contact being removed because they focus often their entire lives around the victim and the notion that a relationship will occur and the victim is obviously not issuing the normal social cues the person who, who felt the same way would they see things as watching them following them looking at the social media as the cues they need so when the contact is taken away it's almost seen as like a breakup. Or, or a fight between a couple to the stalker in their mind. And this was definitely the case with Richard. Once Ella went, uh, graduated and moved home, he started drinking heavily and left alone with his own thoughts. He actually began to realise that, I think it was kind of spurred on by the fact that she couldn't even sit near him at the graduation ceremony. He began to realise that his feelings towards Ella weren't normal. And this is really interesting, um, that Richard did actually identify himself as a stalker. And that is very, very unusual, especially while still conducting in the stalking behaviours. Um, so sometimes if you, if you've, if you have stalked, like the example I said in the beginning of the TV show, so he goes through trauma and he kind of, is kind of, going through something, and he, and he exhibits these behaviours, and he realises afterwards that that wasn't normal, and he apologises, but to to realise that, that what you're doing is stalking, while you're still in the middle of doing it, is quite unusual, Um, and yeah, you can see though, it's, it's almost like a tug of war that he's having. Uh, with this realisation, so he he identifies himself as a stalker, and he even starts a blog about his stalking behaviours, um, but he, yeah, I mentioned the blog at the beginning, I gave that quote, so yes, he identifies himself as a stalker, yes, he makes a blog about it, but he thinks that he is what he calls a benevolent stalker, that he doesn't do any harm with his stalking and that he stalks from a place of love. So this is is fascinating to see because it's as, it's a, as though at some point he has realised realized that his behaviour is in fact wrong, but at the same time his obsession with Ella and his stalking behaviours are so strong that it forms into this delusion that justifies him to carry on with the behaviour. Um to me the term bene- benevolent stalker is an oxymoron because yes, he may the, the stalker may feel that he isn't doing anything wrong and that he's only watching someone and um that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't threatened them, he hasn't committed violence. But the harm that just watching, that following can cause to a victim, is is so severe that it often leaves them with lasting mental health problems. And that can include anxiety, PTSD, it can even include OCD or agoraphobia. But Richard obviously doesn't say it like that. He sees the blog as sort of a, a dedication, and um, he decides that that's a start, but it's not a big enough gesture. ...to persuade Ella how he really feels about it. So he starts writing a novel and he calls this novel The World Rose. And the novel contains, it's kind of a, a fan, I think, what did he call it? A fairy tale romance or a fantasy romance. Um, and it contains characters based on himself and obviously on Ella. And uh, the book is a love story in which they're together and happy after overcoming lots of obstacles... So Richard starts to try to get his book published, um, but he has met with rejection letters, and, you know, I think a lot of people had said it isn't long enough, and there was quite a bit of criticism. He also, at that point, was struggling to keep a job. He dropped out of uni, he was gambling again. Um, he started travelling round, um, just staying in a tent or staying on the streets or in hostels. Because he was struggling to get any publishers uh, interested in his book, Richard took to the internet where he found a website called Wattpad. Um, I don't know whether that's, that's still around now, but I think it was kind of a bit like, I think a bit like Reddit. Um, so on Wattpad, uh, many aspiring authors uploaded chapters of their own work for other writers, other readers. Um, to review and offer feedback on. So he only uploaded a small section of his book and then decided to self-publish his book and sell it on Amazon, hoping that people would get hooked on the small bit that he uploaded to Wattpad and uh, then they would choose to go and buy the full version and that would, you know, provide him with some income. Quite a few people did read the the bit that he'd uploaded but it did not um, receive the kind of reviews he was hoping. In fact, the reviews he received were very critical. So while all of this is going on, Richard had not stopped his surveillance of Ella's social media accounts. It had been six months since he had last seen her, and this was obviously meaning that he was growing restless. Through sheer determination, Richard managed to find out where Ella had moved to and where she was now working. Um. So although it was like, I think about 400 miles away, um, she was now living in Glasgow, Scotland, Richard decided to move there and follow her. So, he had become convinced that if his book became a hit, Ella would finally fall in love with him, and, you know, all of this, all of the things that they'd been through would just have been obstacles to get to, them being together and happy. So once he arrived in Glasgow, uh, Richard came up with a plan. Um, he decided that uh, if it, yeah, if the, if the book became a hit, that's kind of the way that he was going to get Ella. So he came up with a plan that he was going to kidnap Ella, um, take her to the Highlands, which is like a remote wilderness part of Scotland and hide out while the press became really interested. When the police uh, finally found them, it would be revealed that it was all a publicity stunt and Ella was in fact in on it. She was in love with Richard and this would cause the book to be a bestseller and it would be a success that they had achieved as a team. So this, this was his plan. Yeah, so this is a really good example of just how differently uh, the stalker and victim sees things. Um, As I mentioned before, Richard believes himself to be a benevolent stalker, meaning that he didn't cause any harm or fear to Ella. In his mind, this plan was brilliant, so Ella would agree to it, she would love the book, she'd fall in love with him, and he was doing nothing wrong other than pursuing the woman that he loved. But now, let's look at it from Ella's point of view. So she has... Not only been stalked through university, she has moved hundreds of miles away only to be tracked down by the man who stalked her for years, who suddenly turned up outside of her new job, that's what he did, um, and suggests this plan to her that he will kidnap her, that he's gonna hide her in the wilderness for days alone with him, and that this'll make his book a success, and then they can live happily ever after. So you can obviously see the absolute terror and the very real threat that that would cause to her. Um, And after he, he tried this twice, he turned up at her work twice. He proposed this plan to her twice and she, you know, really was not happy. I think she rang the police both times, but both times the police turned up, he had already run away. So finally, I think on the second attempt that he went to our work and she had to call the police and hide inside, they managed to track him down, in a few miles away and he is arrested and at that point he is charged um, with causing fear and alarm to another person. So at that point Richard had no choice but to return to London, his plan hadn't worked. He uh, wrote about it on his blog in a post. Um, just explaining why it hadn't worked and and that obviously he needed to come up with uh, a- another plan. And at the end of that post, he kind of ended it with, I will find another way. So in the meantime, while he was coming up with his next plan to get Ella, um, he continued to read his reviews religiously on Wattpad. Um, he put all of his focus towards the book and towards what others thought about it. He personally began replying to any negative reviews. Um, he would lecture people. He would leave really aggressive messages in reply. Um, and because of this behavior and this aggression towards other users on the site, he um, not only did his, kind of, the the blurb that he'd put up on Wattpad get really negative reviews, but people actively began going to um, Amazon and Goodreads and leaving, like, really bad one-star reviews, despite the fact that barely anybody had purchased the full book. So, one popular reviewer on Wattpad um, was called, like, her username was called p G Liu. And she saw the commotion that Richard's book was causing and decided to go and read it and uh, will read the blurb and review it herself. Uh she was a regular reviewer and would often like uh write really long reviews. Sometimes they were deemed very very critical and this was no different uh different with the review she left for Richards. So in the review she left for him, she used uh words to describe his book such as boring, dull Um, She wrote that she hated the main characters, Uh, she even went on to say that Richards should have given the book away for free as that there was not a chance that anybody would ever pay actual money for it and as her main point she gave the book 1 out of 5 stars which I think was the lowest rating you could give. So as I discussed uh, last week and also earlier in relation to the the example in the TV show, um, stalkers often react to triggers or major life stresses. Um, So in last week we saw that um, with Richard Farley, it was the restraining order that kind of um, was the straw that broke the camel's back in his case. Um, And this week's case is no different. So when Richard uh, goes online, and he sees this review, he channeled all the rage and all the rejection he felt by Ella, he felt by the, you know, the fact that this plan that he'd gone to her with had been turned down, the fact that the police had been involved, he channeled all of that into this negative review. And not just the negative review, but onto the person that had, had given it by, um, Pajie Lou, um, The fact that she had also said in her review that she hated Ella's character in the book made matters even worse because he felt like that was a personal attack on Ella and that he had to defend her honour. So Richard began to relentlessly hunt for Pagie Lou's real name, he began to look for her social media pages, he began to look for any information he could about her. After searching for a few days, he found a Facebook page, which wasn't only, um, it was, I mean, it wasn't only public, but it actually listed where page worked. Okay, so as I mentioned before, Richard would often look for signs, he would look for, you know, clues that things were meant to be, um, secret messages on Twitter and things like that. When he saw that Paige lived and worked in Glasgow, which is where Ella lives and worked, he believed it was fate. So, only days after he found Paige's Facebook, Richard travelled 400 miles from London to Glasgow and found the supermarket listed on her social media page. The now 28-year-old man walked into the store and looked around for the 18 year old reviewer Paige who was working at her part time job stacking shelves absolutely unaware that she was being watched. Once Richard had located the teenager he walked to the alcohol aisle and picked up a large bottle of wine before slowly walking back to the aisle Page was in where she was kneeling on the floor to reach a shelf. As Richard walked past Paige, he smashed the bottle full fu- f- um, full force into the back of her skull and he then walked out of the shop. Paige was rushed to hospital where she was treated for severe head lacerations and concussion. She was given stitches and interviewed by the police. Thankfully, the shop had CCTV and I think quite a few witnesses had also seen what had happened and were able to identify Richard. And Paige actually recognized the footage. Um, footage as Richard. Um, she recognized his picture from uh, his Wattpad page, and she knew that he was the author of the book she had just reviewed. By this point, Richard had already headed back to London, where he remained hiding. Um, he managed to evade being found for several days before police managed to track his location using his mobile phone which also successfully placed him at the scene of the crime. So Richard was arrested and charged not only with the attack on Paige but also for stalking and harassment Ella. In November 2015 Richard was found guilty of both counts and sentenced to 30 months in prison. Not only this, but he was given an ongoing restraining order that prevented him any form of monitoring online or in person as well as no contact with both Ella and Paige. As of 2020, Richard has been released from prison and although his blog posts have been removed, you can actually still purchase his book, The World Rose, on Amazon. So I think this case is very interesting. The fact that Richard develops behaviours as a resentful revenge stalker towards another victim while still stalking someone else with behaviours as an intimacy stalking is fascinating from a research point of view. It's not often that those behaviours overlap like that and it makes it quite a unique case. I also think it's quite shocking that although we stalked Ella for years and even threatened you know to go as far as to kidnap her and then stalk and attack a teenage girl there isn't much information about this case, it's not very well known, it wasn't, I mean there is a few articles about it, but it wasn't very well covered by the police. I think it's often the case that unless a, a victim is murdered, cases like this are just not given the same coverage, which I think is shocking considering the damage that this man caused to two women. So I hope you enjoyed this case, Um, I'm sorry that it's it's been quite long. There is so much information to this case that I just didn't have the time, or I couldn't find the, the you know, the, the full extent of it to go over. So it's definitely worth looking up yourself and doing a bit more research if if you're interested in knowing more. I personally wouldn't suggest buying the book as I wouldn't want to encourage kind of any support on his behalf of writing it. Um, but I I think it's very interesting that it's it, that Amazon still sells it. I'll put all of the links from the TV shows and the films that I've mentioned today. Um, And as always, please message me or email me if you have any feedback or questions. And I will be back next Sunday with another episode. Um, Thank you for listening.